Uh, right. Uh, thank you very, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, my God. Uh, Fifty or sixty minutes. I'm not sure I'm going to hack that, but I'll, I'll, I'll certainly sort of do, uh, do the best I can. Uh, I'll just give you a, a quick. My, my name's George, and I'm an alcoholic. I think I said that. Uh, I'm, I know I'm at home on here. Uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous belongs to me. It is my life. And, uh, you know, I've got no need to be scared, although I've just been on another meeting and there was only a small meeting, but I've, I've said on there, you know, that I've just noticed recently uh, that I've been getting a bit of sort of social anxiety sort of stuff going on. And, uh, and yet there's... Oh God, 71 people on here and I, I don't feel in the slightest bit uh, socially anxious at all and uh, there's a few people on here that I do know uh, I've been uh, in recovery uh, 48 years uh, it's, it's important for me to say that again we've just been speaking about that on the other meeting uh, you know it's, it's okay me coming on here with the parrot you know, the sort of spin of, uh, yeah, I'm a few days sober. I, I can say whatever you want me to say, you know, but I want to say my truth. I want to say what I want to say. AA has given me the freedom to be me. And, uh, and, and you know, it's worked for me. Uh, I've not picked a drink of alcohol up uh, since I came in in May the 9th, 1974. And, uh, and it just shows you how massive AA is because... I think there's maybe about four people on on here that I actually know, and uh, and yet where I live, you know, I'm quite well known because I've been in this house 44 years. Uh, there was one meeting a week when I moved here. Uh, you know, there's I think there's 16 now. Uh, up until COVID, I I started most of the meetings off, and uh, and then when COVID came along, uh, my wife who's in AA as well. Uh, she uh, was sort of semi-invalid, and uh, I had to. Uh, we had to go on to proper shielding, and uh, and so I I went on to Zoom. I'm quite severely dyslexic as well. I went on to Zoom, and uh, I I I just uh, you know after forty six years then of going to face to face meetings, uh, you know I find uh, Zoom as another facility uh, for my recovery uh, has been absolutely amazing. Uh, when I was uh, going to face-to-face -face meetings, I was doing three meetings a week. Uh, I do five meetings a week now on Zoom because it's so uh, convenient for me to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I know uh, where I am down Brighton Way, there's, uh, there has been quite a bit of controversy conflicting over over the two uh, facilities of uh, delivery for recovery and yet you know uh, I, I don't see I, I don't see what the big deal is you know I'm a free spirit and I go where I want to go for my recovery and I go I like to try and go where I'm going to get emotional recovery strong emotional recovery I want to go to meetings where people keep coming back and uh, you know they're not interested in drunkologues and everything else like that. They're they're more interested in uh, recovery from alcoholism because this is what will keep me uh, staying stopped. And uh, so just like a, a little 
quick one. I, I never, ever talk about my drinking. Uh, I'm not one of these alcoholics who loved it and it was fucking magic and everything else like that. It wasn't. It was extremely painful. Uh, and, you know, I don't look back on my drinking, which was a long time ago, with any fond memories whatsoever. It was absolutely horrific and it it caused me a lot of devastation and it caused all those around me a lot of devastation it took a life so why would i want to romanticize that in any way whatsoever it's taken me the whole of my recovery uh, with mental health issues to overcome what happened on my last drunk and uh, the prison sentence that ensued from that last drunk and uh and i'd never been in trouble before uh but you know alcohol dictated that this is the path you're going to go down george and i went down it and uh so you know i was born in 1946 just after the war and uh I'm severely dyslexic i've never learned anything i went to 14 different schools because my father's in 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 the military and uh and you know i never learned anything at school whatsoever but uh i was deeply traumatized when i came out of school uh, because in the 50s uh, they treated dyslexics uh not very well and uh i was very abused at school and it obviously damaged me uh, to the point that when i picked up my first drink uh I, I never I never socially drank in my life. Uh, so therefore I can't go back to something that I never was. And uh, I never enjoyed drinking because it always made me ill physically. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, when I look back over it, you know, I only drank for 10 years. Uh, you know, the drinking uh, was like just for blackout. It was an anesthetic to kill the childhood. And, uh, you know, uh, when I, when I hit my rock bottom, uh, I went into Wormer Scrubs, uh, well, I went into Wormer Scrubs, sorry, I went into Brixton and I was in the hospital there for, cause I'd had a, what they call a pathological breakdown. Uh, the, the offense I committed, uh, was uh, done under the influence of drugs because, uh, over the 10 years that I drank. Uh, I was being constantly treated for my alcoholism. Uh, and in the 60s, they did nothing like today. It was a completely different ball game. Uh, they gave you whatever drugs you wanted. Uh, and they I was had aversion therapy, anti-abuse and that sort of thing, sleep, sleepers at night. I became addicted to everything I took. And uh, when I physically couldn't take any more booze, uh, I would just go on to the anti-abuse. Uh, for as long as the uh, next excuse came along for me to go back on it and usually it was physically the reasons that i had to come off it and uh and that was that and then i ended up in brixton and uh i was assessed in there and i went on trial and when the when i when the trial judge uh summed up he said uh, this man's mind is so impaired by mental disease, he cannot be held responsible for what he's done. He said, I give a recommendation uh, that he has immediate psychiatric treatment, take him down. And I've got a six year prison sentence for manslaughter, diminished responsibilities. 
and uh, I went into a room of scrubs uh, and uh, I just quickly I went through a wing uh, I saw Max Glatt in there uh, to see whether I was ready for treatment and uh, he said this guy this man's too angry uh, you know he's not ready uh, I went into C wing I went into the lifers wing uh, and then uh, in the lifers wing on the verge of another breakdown uh, I got moved into a place called the seclusion unit and uh, which is behind the lifers wing and uh, I, a home office psychiatrist came to see me uh, to assess to put me into Broadmoor and uh, I the, the it so happened that uh, he offered me uh, an opportunity uh, to go to uh, a psychiatric prison which was then the only one of its type in the country it was new and uh, the guy who was on, in charge of the wing that I was on uh, was uh, he was a, a good friend of Max Glatz and uh, he was like very pro AA and uh, and and so I, I got into AA uh, a guy uh, 12 step me who I'm still in contact with now on a daily basis uh, we still bring each other up I mean we've gone from you know our, our sort of late 20s uh, late 20s early 30s into old age uh, you know uh, knowing each other he would have been sober longer than me but he drank again after eight years and fortunately he got back into the fellowship again and he's been sober 40 years now and uh so you know i went through the regime there which was about two and a half years of psychotherapy uh you know it was only it was only aa that saved me in there uh and uh you know when i came out uh it was funny because I met some very interesting AA members in there. Uh, they were they were guys who were uh, doing service, but they were guys who uh, were around AA in the beginning. Uh, you know, there was one guy there who uh, was at London's first uh, AA meeting, uh, London's first, and uh you know he 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 was coming into the prison and uh, another guy who was a lord uh although he had a pseudo name and uh he was coming in and uh and 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 through this guy who was the lord uh he put me into contact with uh, sackville from uh southern ireland and uh he used to write to me every week and sent me all his books and everything else like that which i've still got now and uh you know so i had a good grounding in AA from some pretty decent guys who were like early pioneers of it and uh and then when i came out uh i i knew that you know my number one priority was alcoholics anonymous my recovery and uh, i was mentally i was totally fucked three three and a half years into recovery and i was still absolutely mentally fucked and uh he took me from the the place I was in was in Buckinghamshire, and he this guy called Mike Radford picked me up, and took me. Uh, we had breakfast on the bonnet of his car at six o'clock in the morning, and then he took me down to Redcliffe Gardens in London, 
uh, where I met a guy called Bill S, who was then the guy in charge of uh, GSO. He was the chairman there, and uh, he gave me a big book, and he asked me to go and get some milk, and they'd make me some coffee and all that, and said the shop was just around the corner, and I didn't. I went round, I went out, and then said went back and said I couldn't find it because I didn't go anywhere because I was just absolutely petrified of being out there. And uh, and that was it. I moved down to uh, Tunbridge Wells and uh, went into a hotel, which was the only thing I knew was chefing. And, uh, and you know, went to meetings. Members down there in Tunbridge Wells, uh, used to, I used to go to meetings in, well, there's a meeting in Tum, Tunbridge Wells on a Monday night, uh, Tunbridge on a Tuesday night, Maidstone on a Wednesday night, uh, Edenbridge on a Thursday night, uh, Seven Oaks on a Friday night, uh, and then sometimes or, or we'd go down to Hastings in a taxi. But these were members that were, were pre prepared to drive me about and get me to these meetings because there were no other meetings. And uh, and and then I, I eventually met my wife uh, in the hotel that I worked in and we uh, moved to uh, Eastbourne, which is where I, I, I am now. And uh, and there was just the one meeting a week. There was five meetings in Brighton. I think it was 80 odd now. Uh, there was uh, a meeting in uh, St. Leonard's, one in Hastings, one in here in Eastbourne, and that was it. Uh, you know, and it's just grown into the massive fellowship that it is now, which is absolutely fantastic. And I just thank God that you know, I, I, I accepted AA uh, and believed in it and believed in myself eventually. And, uh, you know, that I've been able to stay stopped uh, for the journey. And I can remember David B from London always saying to me, George, stick around for the payoff. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I have stuck around for the payoff. It's taken a long time, but I've, I've stuck around for it and it's been good. And uh, I got myself a sponsor who was an Irish guy uh, who was, uh, his sponsor was the founder of AA in Northern Ireland. And uh, he died at 56 years sober about, I don't know, three or four years ago. Uh, there's one other guy who comes to our home group on a Sunday night, Peter, who hates you, has been sober 50 years. And him and I go back the full time I've been in, and uh, he was sponsored by Danny as well. And, uh, you know, Danny was a, a good, solid AA sponsor who actually carried his big book around with him sometimes and slammed it down on the desk in the meetings. And he was like some sort of Presbyterian minister about the chapter five and everything else like that, you know. And that's what I grew up with in AA, and that's what I needed. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I've just got on with my life. Uh, you know, I'm, we bought this house. Uh, I've, I've never been one for social class. Every, everybody we know sold houses and bought bigger and bigger and all this sort of stuff. Never wanted to do that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of an insecure character. And uh, once I got my feet on the ground here, uh, I've never wanted to leave it. You know, I'm they'll take me out in a box. My wife's sort of semi-disabled and maybe we should be looking at a bungalow or something like that. But, 
yeah, it's a problem. I can't, I can't leave my house. Uh, but, you know, if it ever comes to the point where uh, it gets that bad that it has to go, then I'll, I'll deal with that when, when it comes, you know. But, uh, you know, so everything I've accumulated since I've been here in Eastbourne in 44 years I've been here, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's all been down to the fact that I'm sober and I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that I've not thought that I'm one of these guys who can uh, get back out there and give it a go and everything else like that, because I knew right in the beginning uh, from the spiritual experience that I had, where the voice said to me, George, if you stick with these people, you'll be okay. And, you know, if I'd have sort of stepped outside of AA, uh, I'd, I'd, I would have been dead a long time ago. You know, I've, I've had people say to me, that's fucking arrogant for you to say that, George. You know, you don't know whether you'd be dead or not. But I, I know me and I know that I would be dead because my drinking was so fucking abnormal that, you know, every time I drank, it was like it was a death drink. It was going to be drinking to self-destruction all the time. It was like that for that 10 years. And the unfortunate part about it was it wasn't at the end of it, it wasn't my destruction, it was somebody else's. And, uh, you know, so I've accumulated everything that I've accumulated and I end up, uh, you know, at the age of 76 through AA. Uh, and I don't, I don't owe anybody anything that's down to AA. You know, I, I live a reasonably comfortable life. You know, we, we've, we grow old gracefully uh you know and 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 i have to speak like that because you know the, the uh, when you sort of get to about 70 things start to change they have done for me anyway and uh and and like retirement was a, a quite a, a big thing for me uh in the respect that it wasn't how am i going to survive now i'm retired it's you know fucking roll on and let me get finished and let me get on with my life and, uh, and, and I came out of my job uh, that I'd been in for 26 years, uh, you know, again down to AA because left to my own devices, I've, I've never, never held a job down anywhere, you know. Uh, and, you know, I, I even let, they even retired me off six months early uh, because of my good conduct and stuff like that, you know. And then it just so happened that a guy who is a good friend of mine uh, said I'm starting a project project up down in France and uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time there would you be prepared to spend five months of the year over in Greece and look after the house and the dogs uh, which I immediately jumped at and uh, you know I started spending five months of the year two two lots of two and a half months and sometimes a bit longer and uh, that went on for 12 years until Covid and uh, and, and, you know, I, there was no meetings where I was because it's an isolated area. The nearest meeting was Athens, which was 100 miles away, and I couldn't leave the animals anyway. Uh, so I, I got on to uh, Loners International. And, uh, like, for 12 years, I'm still in, in Loners International now, but for 12 years, uh, I was, like, for the five months I was abroad, I was doing my meetings uh, on... Uh, email uh, so 
you know, I suppose uh, it was not too big a step for me to go from uh, being on loners uh, to uh, actually going on to Zoom meetings and not having any social contact with people, you know, although I do obviously uh, still have social contact with uh, some AA members, but my, my, you know, when I say with some AA members, if I told you I've got nine of my family are in AA in recovery, uh, I'm, I, you know, that, that is the truth. Uh, you know, I've, there's nine of us in recovery. I've got a couple of brothers in recovery. I've, both my sons are in recovery. My daughter-in-law's in recovery and uh, my wife's in recovery. So, you know, we're an AA family anyway. Uh, my my son was, my son Christian was born, uh, he's an AA baby, he's 38 now. And uh, my uh, my grandson, uh, Jasper, with him is, uh, he's 15 and he's an AA grandson, uh, which is absolutely unbelievable, you know. And uh, I went, to his, Christian uh, has been sober, well, he would have been sober 12 years, but he relapsed three years ago on drugs. And he, he won't, you know, he says, that's it. I'm starting his recovery again, which is right for him. And uh, I went the other yesterday to a garden party at his, at his home. Uh, he's a care home manager. And it was just so good uh, to see what he actually does. And, you know, the level of commitment to that job that he has with those people that are all severely disabled and uh and you know he 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 carries that commitment uh into his recovery as well which is absolutely fantastic if you can hear that it's a storm going on outside fucking thunder and lightning and everything that's going on out there uh yeah so you know uh i've just done my program work with the sponsor when shit's happened i'm, I'm not saying i've been perfect in my recovery at all i i most certainly have not been uh you know i i i'm i suffer from sexual addiction uh and you know i i acted out a lot in my early recovery but you know i kept having treatment for that and that sort of thing and uh you know it wasn't great behavior but it had an effect on my family uh but you know i, I carried on with the program of AA uh, to the best of my ability and uh, recognizing that these were uh, like uh, sort of uh, mental health issues that I had that had to be addressed. And, uh, and what happened uh, was uh, when I came back from Greece the last time, I think I was probably suffering from a bit of uh, mild depression or something like that. And there was this period while I was out there that I was actually started contemplating suicide. Uh, and I came back and I told, uh, I went and told my doctor and uh, he uh, put me onto a mental health team. Uh, then I saw a therapist and then they put me onto a psychiatrist. And then the psychiatrist put me onto a psychologist. Uh, and I was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I was 72. And, uh, and uh, I was given this uh, girl who was a Canadian psychologist. And uh, we went through every Tuesday at 12.30 for six months. Uh, I had an hour uh, 
working on myself. It, so it was like a, uh, another massive fourth and fifth step, really. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think uh, she'd only been a psychologist for seven years. And uh, I, I didn't think she would, you know, there's still stuff there in my subconscious mind that probably needed to come out that I tried with other psychologists and psychiatrists and it hadn't come out. And she actually managed to dislodge some stuff that came up to do with the prison and all that. And, uh, um, and it, it made me realize that, you know, although I was physically responsible uh, for everything that had happened, uh, there was also a lot of people in my life, especially in my early years around schooling and that, uh, that were accountable uh, for a lot of the stuff that had gone on with me, mental health-wise. And uh, and it made me feel a lot fucking better, knowing that they were accountable and it wasn't all my fault. And as much as I'd said for decades in AA that my self-worth had returned, it had to a degree, uh, but it had never fully self uh, uh, I'm still not 100% certain that it has now, but I would say definitely 90% it has returned. And, uh, you know, when we, when we finished that uh, six months, uh, she said to me, she was going, leaving the National Health Service and going back to uh, Canada uh, to carry on over there. And she said to me on the last day, uh, which in a way was quite emotional for me because we've been through a hell of a lot. And uh, she said to me, George, she said, cut the shackles, you're a free man. And, uh, and, and I'll, I, won't, I'll, I won't forget it anyway, because uh, my kids, all the lot in AA, they all chipped in and uh, had a tattoo on the back of my hand of uh, the shackles getting cut. They're there. And uh, so I, I, I won't forget it, but I won't forget it anyway, because I really felt... Uh, you know, emotional sobriety it was a gift that I had. And, uh, you know, it was just absolutely fantastic to know uh, that I could actually let go of that mental health stuff at long last and not keep fucking beating myself up over what had happened 40 odd years previously before. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I haven't got a clue how long I've, I've been talking. Uh, but, you know, uh, when, when I think about the whole life uh, that I've had, I mean, I was, I was 18 when I started drinking. I was absolutely fucked before that. That's what I took to drinking. Uh, there was the 10 years of drinking to 28. So that is really, I don't count that in my life. Uh, you know, uh, my life started at 28 and... Uh, and you know, uh, because I don't, I'm not drunk, I, I packed up smoking, everything when I was young in AA. And uh, so I'm, I am reasonably healthy. And uh, that's all because of the fellowship. Just unbelievable, you know, what it's given me. And, you know, I, I mean, I would hate to put a dampener on anything, but I mean, you know, the amount of people living in a fairly close-knit community, the amount of people uh, over the years uh, that I've seen come in and go out 
uh, it's just unbelievable. It's thousands. The amount of people that I know that have gone over Beachy Head there, that hung themselves, died in fires, uh, died in traffic accidents, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, you know. And, uh, you know, the amount of people, even on Zoom now, where I've been for just over two years, you know, I, I, I do four lifeboat meetings in Brighton a week. They're my home group. And, uh, you know, the amount of people I see coming in on there and then going out again and, uh, you know, not getting back. And, you know, when, when you look at the nucleus of people uh, that are actually old timers in AA, it's just so small. And, uh, and then when you drop down to midtermers, even that is not massive. And we're up, as it says in the book, we're up against a very subtle foe, alcoholism. And, uh, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, the obsession to drink was taken away from me when I first come in. Uh, but I know for a fact, and I know from the experience of other people, uh, that it's there all the time. It's there. And, you know, they talk about the unguarded moment and everything else like that. And, you know, unless I'm uh, properly equipped with a 12-step program, uh, getting rid of the sober rubbish that goes on in my head uh, on a step 10 and all those sorts of things, then the likelihood is that that unguarded moment uh, could be there and it could be on me. And I, I don't, I've got no intentions of ever letting that happen. You know, when I uh, wanted to make my amends to the people who I deeply hurt and scarred. Uh, my father uh, was in five, he was a colonel in the army, he was in five uh, military campaigns during the war. And, uh, you know, when I think of what he went through during the war uh, and the fact that when I had my last drink, he ended up having psychiatric treatment because of my drinking, along with another, a number of other people that had to have psychiatric drinking, uh, psychiatric help because of my drinking. It just shows you what a fucking illness this is. And yet people treat it as though having a drink's like having a cup of tea and stuff like that, you know. And it's a killer. It's definitely a killer, you know. And uh, I've seen it cause so much mayhem and devastation in people's lives. And with nine people in my family in AA, uh, I've seen it cause a lot of devastation uh, in my own family. And thank God, uh, apart from the fact that my son relapsed and a nephew did at one point, uh, you know, they've all, they've all stayed stopped. And that's what it's about. It's about staying stopped, you know. And uh, I try not to judge other people. It's fucking difficult at times, but I try not to. And... Uh, I go to meetings on a regular basis. I still share my shit and all these sorts of things, you know. And uh, I really, I, I don't know what else I can say, to be honest with you. How long have I been sharing whoever's in charge? Uh, I'm, I'm, if I can, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I've got nothing else to say, really. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm obligated to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what I try and do. That's all I can do. I love AA. It is my life. It's not part of my life. And, 
you know, everything about me uh, is Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you. Wow, George, thank you so much for that. I got a lot 